Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Womanhood and International Relations podcast. I'm your host, Natalia Bonilla, and for today's episode, we will be talking about women, water, and development. This has been a very important topic for me. It's been two years since I began doing interviews on clean water initiatives and wash projects in Latin America, Africa, and also the Caribbean. And one of the things that I've learned throughout this project, you know, uh, showcasing the social, the positive social impact of um, clean water initiatives and wash projects most of them tied to religious um, outreach, it really opened my eyes to a whole different dimension, not only in terms of environment, which is in itself uh, a conversation that we need to have, not only in terms of climate change, but also in terms of women's rights. And we often don't find the link or the connection between women and water. I remember interviewing Days for Girls International on menstrual poverty and how difficult it is um, the access to water for some girls, how in some countries the most um, known is Nepal, but also you can find several dynamics in um, African tribes as well as in Central America where women are... Um, or women and girls, when they have their first uh, period or they're having their periods, they are sent to huts or they are considered um, dirty or they cannot enter sacred sites, like for example, um, municipalities in Peru. Really affected um, my whole uh, view of not only the natural resource, but also different cultural understandings, traditions and norms. Um, what actually differentiates us in a biological term to men, which is, you know, our menstruation or our period. We have recorded a previous episode of menstruation and human rights. I will list it down below. We have upcoming interviews during the month of March and April on sexual and reproductive rights, as well as menstruation poverty um, eradication initiatives. I'm very excited um, to share with you more in the upcoming fest of the podcast, which is going to be on March 20th. So if you're very interested in learning about, you know, clean water initiatives, women's relationship to water, and also, you know, uh, the whole menstruation, poverty, menstruation and human rights, that's going to be the date where we, as a community of these um, womenhood and international relations, as well as our Spanish language community, San Mujer Global, will join together as a community to talk about this topic, to network, and also to hopefully create routes of action or action plans. So I'm very excited for that. Without further ado, let's discuss um, statistics related to this um, topic and where's the connection. Around 844 million people are currently lacking um, access to safe drinking water, which is estimated is like for every 10 person, there's one that's not able to have access to safe drinking water. And this is a very important word to remember because we often um, do not understand the whole concept of 
access, distribution, and management. So keep this in mind. Access is actually having the means either financially or in terms of um, the geographical location and in terms of um, community location or community rights to get access to uh, these resources. It is estimated that every day women and girl, uh, girls around the world spend over 200 million hours searching for water. It is uh, estimated that a woman in uh, rural communities in various countries in Africa and specifically can walk up to six kilometers per day to carry 40 pounds of water, around five gallons of water. This is to say that if they are looking every day for water to bring to their homes, either for cooking, for drinking, or for bathing, this diminishes their uh, opportunities to enter the labor market or to become economically empowered or to launch their businesses or to even work or go to school because they are using that time specifically to um, get water. This is often um, overlooked because it's easy to say, oh, they are just, you know, like searching for the live uh, stream, you know, but we often don't make the connection. Yeah, but what are the other sacrifices and what are the other downsides of her looking for that? That should be a universal human rights as it was recognized um, just recently in the 2000s. We will uh, be addressing that in short. Every day, more than 800 children, uh, minors of five years, are dying due to diarrhea connected to the poor access to water and basic sanitation services. It is not that children are dying due to drinking, you know, like clean water. It's because the water that's being um, found in specific parts around the world is dirty due to bacteria, due to uh, the collection from river sources where, um, how is it, um, animals and, you know, transportation and other things happen in rivers, you know, and can actually affect um, the, uh, the contamination of this water, can actually affect the human body and of course um, children are the most vulnerable in that sense. By 250, it is estimated that over one in four per people, one in four, will be living in a country affected by water crisis in a very consistent and chronic way. So from now on, this was statistics from 2018, if we look in 20 years or 30 years or so, if by 2018 it was 1 in 10, by 2050 it will be 1 in 4. So just keep that in mind. In terms of climate change and why everybody's like, oh, let's talk about climate change, we need climate action, we need to focus on, you know, like deterring or, you know, um, reducing our human footprint and, 
you know, doing all we can with Green New Deals and the Paris Accord, etc., to change the climate or to slow it down, the climate change. Why it is connected to water? Because 90% of all natural resources are connected to water. We are talking about monsoon seasons, we're talking about El Niño phenomenon, about hurricanes, which brings more water, hurricanes and typhoons, typhoons, which yes, is a lot of wind, but also they bring a lot of water. We are talking about floods. We're also talking about uh, tsunamis, which we have seen in a couple of times. One of the things while I was researching for this topic is that the problem with the floods and people are like, it's like, oh, it's just water from the river. Yeah, but most of this water is not clean. I mean, it comes with a lot of um, earth because it's been, um, um, how is it? It's, you know, uh, taking the soil while, you know, the currents are taking the soil. So that's one in itself. It brings a lot of uh, earth and, you know, contamination that it had previously. And sometimes it can stay these floods for days and weeks on end. And this brings a lot of disease and other health-related issues, as well as housing problems. It is estimated that two-thirds of all climate refugees in the world are women and girls. Two-thirds. That's around 75-70% of all climate refugees are women and girls. If these statistics do not, you know, shake you, I don't know what will. There are other things related to climate change that, you know, coming from an island myself, are often not addressed, which is the rising of the sea levels, the, the le sea level rising. Um, while I was living in Puerto Rico and working for FNU's agency, I was engaging in the Blue Economy reports and all the efforts done by the uh, Caribbean community or CARICOM, as well as the World Bank to, you know, start developing a blue economy and, you know, understanding how to better, um, how is it, deter the rise of the sea levels. Many of the islands in the Caribbean, as well as in the Pacific, are over, just just slightly over or under the level of water at this point. Bahamas is an example. The Bahamas archipelago is an example. And the hurricane Dorian in 2019 really showcased how horrible is Natural, our natural resources re related to water and how the floods took islands over like there was no there were some islands that were left uninhabited afterwards and many people perished and other people were you know relocated because they they couldn't go back to their homes and you know, we can talk about migration specifically and we can talk about, you know, the whole refugee situation. 
I expect in our fest, on our coming fest, that we can actually address this in a proper way with experts and people that are working on different sides of um, this sector, you know, from the activist realm to the research realm to the uh, entrepreneurship as well as governmental levels. But while that happened, I, I just want to share that this is more than meets the eye. This is not a joke and women and girls, as we have been seeing in other um, previous episodes, you know, in the diplomacies, gender gap, in the feminist foreign policy, in, you know, human rights levels and, you know, sexual violence and, you know, conflict transformation and conflict relations, as well as peace building efforts where they continue to be male dominated spheres, even the water sector and the wash projects, which are considered stereotypically feminine in terms of, you know, like in relation to, for example, other hard sectors like transportation or manufacturing or trade or, you know, military and, you know, uh, government um, levels or public policy in the water sector and the wash projects is still a very manly male dominated world. And that worried me a lot because we are the most affected. We as women are the most affected of the lack of water or the lack to clean water sources. We are also affected due to natural resources. And I'm not saying this in a very, oh, let's, you know, play victims here (laughs) and, you know, like start a whole conversation about victimhood. I'm not saying it in in that sense. I'm just saying, like, where is actually, where are we? You know, the same question that we asked before in feminist theory. Where are we? Why are we not in these conversations on how to manage water, how to develop water projects and water distribution And why is it water so connected to menstrual poverty? There's also this dynamic of contamination and capitalism um, um, systems. We can see that due to human activity, more than 80% of residual waters are often um, sent to the rivers or the sea without any treatment, which is, you know, one of the huge um, elements um, provocating or causing contamination of water rivers. It is estimated that 70% of all water extracted from lakes, from rivers and aquifers are used for, um, uh, how is it, for soy uh, plantations, for um, meat production, the meat industry production in the United States as well as in Brazil is one of the top um, consumers of clean water. So the water that we receive we are not actually the main recipients. It's actually, you know, the meat industry um, sector. You know, they need water not only for the cows or for, you know, the, the animals, but also the soil, you know, so they can grow and eat while they get prepared for, you know, um, being butchered 
and we can you know have another conversation on that hopefully in the future with an expert on this but it puts everything to perspective like if we're talking about crisis of water or water crisis we are talking about lack of water access which is affecting over 40 percent of the world's population and it is suspected that that percentage will increase what is actual 60% of the overall population getting their water from and that brings you know the whole capitalist sector and how clean water is being bottled and being um, merchandised or you know uh, traded or <laughs> sent to the stores where you buy your water and in order to drink like for example here in Mexico City um, the tap water can be drink or I mean you can drink the water although it's not the best quality you can drink it but there's a problem with tap water is that it depending on the country it has a lot of minerals and for example in my case how is my relationship to water is that I need to buy water on the store like a gallon or um, I buy this be this huge 10 um, gallon 10 liter 10 I need to know this the, the measure <laughs> but I have to buy it every week you know because that's for me to drink and that's for me to cook food with because the water that comes from the tap water and yes I can you know buy a distillator this, this uh, some kind of um, thingy that you can put on the on the tap so it becomes clean but it doesn't taste the same as you know um, which brings into perspective like what is actual people's ability to pay for water um, I was reading this report and in Malaysia and Singapore the, the poorest people pay up to seven percent seven times more than the richest people to get water in a bottle like it's more expensive if you are a poor person to buy clean water at the store seven times more than the richest person because the richest person can't you know get the distillatory system or you know like the um, they can invest in these uh, specific bombs. I'm sorry for all this noise. Apparently, there's like a construction nearby. <laughs> and, you know, um, I still don't have my soundproof cabin. So um, I hope that you can understand this. We are still in lockdown here. Um, so how does the, does this ties to um, the development agenda? Um, we have seen since the 1854 uh, that Dr. John Snow um, established the link between water and increments or the increasing of cholera cases in London um, due to a uh, um, specific um, spread of this disease there. Um, according to reports by World Vision, it was in that time in the 19th century that the link between um, the contamination of natural resources as well as water scarcity in England and in other parts of the world were entirely connected to the industrialization and the growth of megacities or eventually megacities or urban uh, planning. 
1993, the um, General Assembly of the United Nations designated the March 22nd as the World Water Day. In 2000, member states of the United Nations agreed upon the um, um, up, uh, Millennium Development Goals and by 2015, they agreed upon reducing the number of people without access or secure access to water. So in the beginning of this episode, I invite you to look for the word access because here in 2015, we see a change of paradigms. It's not enough to just get access to the water or clean water, but also have safe access because the more that conflicts spread or you know the more that conflicts get um, violent in several parts of the world the more they are connected not only with destruction of mineral resources with the killing of environmental activists but also with sexual violence women that go fetch water on a river you know if they are alone or even if they are together um, joining together to go fetch water in a river they can get you know targeted by men and by rebel groups etc you know to um, rape them or kill them or you know um, take them as hostages etc there's this um, movie um, that the Denis Mukewe Foundation released uh, recently in 2020 is called SEMA and we saw it together in um, our Spanish language community and it was horrible because, I mean, it was based on the testimonials and the, um, the stories of women that were part of the hosp hospital pansies recovery and treatment, which is, you know, Dr. Mukewe's um, hospital, like the one that he runs and for the work that he got the Nobel Peace Prize. And in this movie, though, the, though it is, you know, fiction, um, it is based on the stories of these women, on the real stories of these women. They, it, you know, they got just actors to, you know, like, um, uh, play the part. It's a very short movie. It's not around 30 minutes long. And it was gruesome because women were actually raped due to fashing water. And that's horrible. <laughs> And I cannot stand it, and it really makes me angry, and we can talk about it on March 20th, but it was like, ah, I want to do something. Um, also, other efforts that, um, you know, were important to highlight was in 2005, the United Nations declared the International Decade of Action of Water is Life to prioritize the development of safe access uh, or programs to clean water and basic sanitation. Basic sanitation and clean water are, you know, considered wash. Or that's like the term water access, safe um, hygiene, uh, sanitation and hygiene. And this is important um, for those of you that are trying to understand these terms. I will list links below for you to do your own research. And in this entire decade long, there was a study released by Masaru Emoto, who was using high-speed uh, photography um, in Japan, in his native Japan, to discover crystals uh, from frozen water. 
and he released this book called The Hidden Messages of Water. I don't know uh, if you have read about it, but it really changed my whole view. Um, I read it in September 2020, and um, it, I was still working on it, um, the release of the, my third documentary map, Ser Mujer en Latinoamérica, and it shifted so much my whole understanding, not only about water, but also about the power of words and how water holds memory and how we treat water and we drink that water is actually helping us heal or helping us become um, sick and there are many movies and many real life cases specifically in the United States in terms of the pollution and the contamination of water and radiation in water. We saw it with Erin Brokovich, we saw it with the Flint case. I will list some of them below, but there are others happening in Nigeria as well as in India um, that raise concern over how are we actually paying respects to these natural resources? How is our relationship to water similar or non-similar to how we are treating women and you know from a spiritual point of view water is considered uh, a stereotypically connected to the feminine energy and you know being like this martial arts lover I can say that you know you have from um, Ip Man to Bruce Lee to all these you know um, Kung Fu masters and even the um, Japanese word, um, specifically the culture of the geishas, how they related to water. If you have seen the movie Memoirs of a Geisha, you would have um, probably know, noticed, and I will list the, the movie below with you in case you haven't seen it, it's worth watching, it's so beautiful. Of course, there's a lot of conversation about cultural appropriation, and you know, a lot of criticism on the re romanticization of several things. But one of the things that I really liked is that um, the whole conversation of water was present throughout the movie in terms of cleansing, water can cleanse the soul, water can cleanse the body, water can cleanse communities, but also how one can become water, you know, in terms of how do we flow through life? Are we resistant? Are we nurturing? Are we, you know, uh, experiencing a scarcity in a sense you know like how um do we feel dry inside have we lost um pleasure on life because water is also connected to our sacred chakra and you will be thinking like natalia like <laughs> i was here for the water development issue and then now you're talking about spirituality and all that I'm like yeah but it's you know to understand how deep is this connection and how it really has um, you know expanded my view that you know we cannot think about this in a very narrow way and water is in everything water is in how we eat our food how much water does our food have like it is um, estimated that the fruits are actually the biggest source of water in in retention you know like you can eat a watermelon and actually have water directly to your system and also there is an estimation that people like human body the human body 
is estimated to have over 65 to 70% of water. We are composed of water. That's why words, vibrations, our environments affect us because water is um, an energy transmitter. It transmits our energy. I remember reading this interview by Masaru Emoto because I became like, oh my god, I need to learn more. Um, after the 2011 um, tsunami, I mean, this was, I, I read it after the book, um, and this was like nine years ago. And he was asked if nature, you know, was becoming vengeful towards man or towards, you know, mankind or humankind. Um, because of the tsunami of 2011 to the Japanese people. And then he said, you know, first, there's this tendency to animate water and to see not only water, but everything in nature as, you know, when they are not behaving as we want, then we want to give it qualities of a vengeful woman. But that's a topic for another episode. Um, and then he said, no, you know, like the Japanese people have done other things, you know, not only the radiation tests or the bombs are being dropped on the water, but also, you know, like there's all this conversation on the killing of whales, the, um, or the killing of welfare or something like that. They have this culture, uh, right? And also um, how they, you know, are not being appreciative and this you know is a very spiritual um conversation and maybe you will be thinking like Natalia let's talk about water and development but I just want to bring you like a very holistic view of how important this is at least for me and I don't know if it is for you but it, it is still a road that I I'm still learning about and I want to do more and um Yeah, I want to ask you, what is happening in your country, in your womanhood experience? How have you been relating to water outside of your body and inside your body? Are you treating it well? Are you spreading messages of love or are you exposing yourself to violence all the time? And, you know, it's a very tricky question because not everybody has access to the same resources, not everybody likes the same things and, you know, like, it's, it's difficult, you know, and more in this COVID area where there's the technologies, you know, so um, the technology the inequality so uh, marked. I don't want this episode to be so long, um, but this is a deep um, conversation as you can see, and I would love um, to read your thoughts. Please f uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at uh, womanhood underscore IR. Also check down in the description box all the links that I will list on different sides of the whole wa women, water and development issue. And also, if you're interested in this topic further, I am so, so excited to invite you to subscribe to our newsletter because our FEST, the Womanhood and International Relations Podcast FEST, will be on March 20th, 2021. Next week, we will launch the tickets and you can RSVP and join us on networking and you know meeting incredible women and also giving back to menstrual health um, education platforms here, specifically in Mexico for this edition. 
I will list uh, more information um, next week on the episodes next week. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being here and talk to you soon.